All right, guys, what is going on? And welcome back to the Tipped Out Podcast with your hosts, Brandon Palmer and Danny Christie. So today's guest is going to be someone very special, Rick Stewart, PGA teaching professional, world-class guy and teacher out of Metro West. An absolute incredible story from him, from California to Brazil, Singapore, uh, golf on the tour, the Asian tour, all around, just a great guy. He's a pleasure to have on. Um, so we hope you guys really enjoy it. Talking about all things fitness, golf, instruction, mental game, God, everything is in there. So, Danny, anything to add about our boy, Rick? We really enjoyed having him. Excellent conversation, and I hope you guys enjoyed as much as we did. Perfect. Let's get right into it. All right, guys, what is going on? And welcome back to the channel. Today's episode, we have a very special guest from Metro West. We have Rick Stewart here. How's it going, Rick? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So we are just here with Rick today. We're going to talk a little bit about what we'll go in first and let you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. And we'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, as Brandon said, I'm Rick Stewart, PGA uh, member. Um, I went to uh, the New Mexico State University. So graduated mm -hmm. from them back in uh, 2007, believe it or not. So I'm actually older than I look. I know. You guys are thinking, man, this guy looks so young. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I graduated in 07. Um, and then upon graduating, I moved back to California, where I'm originally from, was a head pro at a golf course there. Um, and then uh, during that time, you know, you're still young, you still want to play, because uh, I play on the golf team at New Mexico State. So I, um, uh, after after a year back home, I moved over to uh, Singapore and I worked briefly for the first tee and then played on the Asian tour after that for about a year, year and a half. And, uh, you know, found out the hard way that tour life is hard and, uh, but it's good. It was a great experience for me. And, um, so after, uh, Singapore, um, went back to school in Australia. So I did three years of graduate school in Sydney, Australia. And, uh, while I was doing school there, I was working at the Australian golf club in the golf operations department. So I still kind of had my foot in the door within golf. And then upon graduating in Australia, um, moved back to Singapore, had a stint as a project manager out of golf. And then that time really showed me that I wanted to be back in golf. <laughs> so I moved back stateside and uh, stateside, I moved back to the Washington, D.C. area where I was a uh, director of instruction there at a golf course and, um, and then uh, moved to Dallas, Texas, where I became a director of instruction for Topgolf. And I was with Topgolf for five and a half years. And uh, after two and a half years um, in Dallas, they moved me to Orlando to open up the Orlando location. So it was a great time man, with Topgolf, you know, I helped develop their instructional program and uh, you know, we, kicked ass, took names. And then the mm -hmm. pandemic hit, <laughs> yeah. totally screwed a lot of people up. You know, it kind of changed yeah. everything at Topgolf, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise and um, ended up going to Metro West and opening up my academy there. And um, that's what I've been doing um, since then. So kind of brief that's intro. Awesome. Holy eventful. That is so cool. Yeah, that's an awesome ride. That's some bucket it's been wild, man. It's been wild. Um, what part what part of california are you originally from so i grew up in the bay area uh so okay. i grew up in uh so san jose california for 10 years and then uh santa rosa so um yeah bay area so any giants and 49ers fans out there oh yeah big man. oh warriors too so i'm not bandwagon i've been a warriors fan since like <laughs> the early 90s maybe before you guys were born but yeah, they sucked back then, and now yeah. they're really good. So I paid my dues. <laughs> you big sports. We were with them in the dark days, bro. They were they were some dark, dark days, man. You know, <laughs> dark days, dark days. So that's just uh, that's a really good segue into our next question. Here is how did you enjoy your time at the first tee of Singapore? I've heard a lot about the first tee, but you know, yeah. I haven't had the opportunity to actually talk with someone who's worked there or experienced it. Yeah, I mean, it was a great, great, it was a great opportunity. And um, just to kind of give some context and background, it's not like I just jumped on a plane and moved to Singapore. You know, I, uh, my mom is from Indonesia, and my dad is American, and he grew up in Singapore. So I had um, a lot of uh, connections and traveling in Singapore when I was a kid a lot, had family 
there. So it was kind of just kind of fell into my lap, the job. And I, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, you know, I was the program coordinator and also the uh, head golf professional director of golf for the first year of Singapore. So it was, uh, it was great, you know, introducing a lot of kids to golf. Um, and, and it's, you know, not many people know that Singapore, it's an island country. So there's 5 million people on an island, so to speak. Hmm. So the golf and golf courses are far and few between. So it's really cool. It was really cool to kind of expose people to the game of golf. Um, at this little nine hole golf course that the first tee of Singapore was based out of. So, um, but it was a, it was a great time. I mean, I worked for them for uh, about six months and then the itch to play, I was like, man, I'm, cause I was still what, 23, 24 yeah. when I had that opportunity. And uh, I was like, man, I got to go play, you know? So um, yeah, it was, it was a great time with the first tee of Singapore. And then it kind of jumpstarted me on the Asian tour. So. That's so cool. I know, I know Danny and I talk about that a lot. Like, we're right at that age now, 23, 24. And we're like, like you got it. You know, you don't want there to be what ifs in the future. I could have done this yeah. could have done that. So mm-hmm. like, sometimes you just got to take it, take a shot. Are you, are you really happy that you tried to go through? And even though, like you said, tour golf is such a different caliber and also just the travel and the stress on your body. Yeah. It's a totally different beast, but I'm sure that you are happy that you tried your luck out there and, made your game better for it, made you a better instructor for it, and just got to see some cool stuff. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I would not change a thing. You know, if you guys, you know, if people are listening, you know, they're out of college, you know, early to mid-20s, got to go for it. You know, you mm-hmm. don't want to live what-ifs. You know, I was, what, 23, 24, um, so probably around you all's age. And, you know, it, it made me and it shaped me a lot. You know, I had some growing pains, but – you know, learn more about myself, learn more about my golf game, uh, showed me really also, I think more, more importantly, what I wanted in life. And I think a lot of people, they get it twisted and they see like, oh, tour pro life, it's all glitz and glamour. You know, we're flying net jets, you know, we, <laughs> I got uh, courtesy cars picking me up, Mercedes, you know, and that's, that's not, that's like maybe 1% of the tour pros out there, you know, but they don't see the people kind of eking it out, like on the Canadian tour, Corn Ferry tour, you know, the Asian tour, the uh, maybe even the European tour too, you know. So, but again, like if you if you got the game and and you're you're still young, go for it, man. Scratch that itch. Yeah, for sure. Anything you want to add? Um, in? Yeah. This could be a uh, a dumb question, but do you speak a second language then? If you were, um. Yeah. Instructing there or no? Well, so my first language uh, was Indonesian because I was born in Jakarta um, and we moved to the U.S. when I was four and a half. So that was my first language. And, uh, you know, when you're so young, you know, I, when I was four and a half when I moved to California, so I lost all my Indonesian. Um, but kind of through traveling, we picked it back up. But Singapore, the national language is actually English because it was a British colony. Um, but there's a lot of Malaysian people there and they speak uh, Bahasa, which is the same thing as Indonesian. Um, so yeah, long story short, Danny, yes, I do speak, um, Indonesian. And then my wife is from Brazil. So I'm, I'm learning Portuguese. So my Portuguese is very, it's pretty good. I just had a Portuguese class this, this afternoon. So I take Portuguese classes once a week and yeah, I'm getting there. What course do you know well or what course maybe have you played the most in yeah. uh, Singapore? Cause I have, I have three or four students at the Academy that are from Indonesia. So I, yeah. I'd love to tell them what course and see if they know it. So Singapore. Um, so the courses there are really private courses. Um, hmm. So, you know, a couple clubs that I, I've known and I've played a lot uh, would be Singapore Island country club. And also, um, there's another one where they have the Singapore Open, which is called um, Sentosa. Um, so those are two really cool golf courses. Um, but it's different from the States. You know, the States, it's kind of like, you know, I spent a lot of time in Brazil as well. You know, golf in South America and golf, say, in Asia as well, is still very much a kind of like an upper echelon sport. So more elitist, if you will. So all the golf courses are more private golf courses, so not as much access, which I hope things change. You know, I think here in the States, we have it, we have a great model. You know, we have the different various options for golf. And do you think that 
we're just kind of ahead of that curve here in the States or is it something that they want to kind of keep, like you said, as a elitist kind of higher class sport? Mm-hmm. Is it, I mean, of course that that's how it was here. And then sure. it, it changed um, yeah. over time. I think it's twofold to be honest, like in Singapore, for example, you know, it's such a landlocked country. You don't have much space. Mm-hmm. Whereas the United States, I mean, we have what 50 States, you know, from mm-hmm. coast to coast, it's what 3000, 4,000 miles. So I think that's one one of the reasons. And um, I think secondly, too, yeah, I think they're not quite where we are in regards to like growing the game, you know, the future of golf, where, you know, I, I think we do a great job. The States does, you know, all of my travels and living abroad, you know, the U.S., I mean, we have we, we have a lot going in our favor, you know, in regards to uh, in golf, in golf in specifics, you know, to what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so you said you, you ended up, uh, after your time in Singapore and mm-hmm. on the Asian tour, you wound up in Australia, correct? Yeah. So I, <laughs> so I, I, I moved from Singapore after my, uh, amazing performance on the Asian <laughs> tour. <laughs> uh, so I moved to Sydney, Australia and, uh, I went, uh, to actually, I did, I did biblical studies. So I did Bible college for three mm-hmm. years. And I got my uh, degree in pastoral studies from, uh, from a school there. Um, so long story short, it's not just like, Oh, I moved to Australia, just like that. Hey, I had a buddy in Sydney that was going to that school. And I went to visit him while I was in Singapore. And, and I saw the school and I was like, man, this is really cool. Like, uh, and this is something that I've always wanted to do, you know, kind of, you know, study, you know, my Christian faith a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But uh, long story short, yeah, I ended up in, in, in Sydney for three years. And that was that was a really cool time. Mm-hmm. Played a lot of good golf courses there, too, man. Like the Australian Golf Club. I played Royal Sydney. Um, I played New South Wales Golf Club, which they have uh, all those three golf courses that I mentioned. They've all hosted the Australian Open at one point mm-hmm. in time. Um, and uh, when I was working at the Australian Golf Club, uh, one of those years they played the Australian Open there. And that's the year that Jordan Speed. One, so that was cool. Mm-hmm. Got to see, you know, Jordan Spieth. Got to see a lot of great players, Adam Scott. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was a really cool experience. That's awesome. That is so cool. I would love to go to Australia. That's definitely one of the, my bucket places. It's uh, it just looks cool. Awesome, I mean, man. It's a great country. I thought about the golf, so um, now that's another reason to go. So that's awesome. Yeah. How big are kangaroos? That's my big question. <laughs> Bro, it's funny, man, because it's like here in the states. Um, Maybe not so much Florida, well, maybe Florida, but you know, we have deer, right? Mm-hmm. And you go over there, they have kangaroo and it's not a big deal for them, That's true. you know, but the, the, dude, the kangaroos get pretty big. They can get, yeah. you know, probably the size, if not bigger than a, than a big deer, okay, you know? Yeah. So you don't want to mess with them, man. Don't, don't piss yeah. them off. <laughs> yeah. I've seen kangaroo Jack, man. I, I know they, they don't like hot balls. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't mess with them. Yeah. So what have you found that you like more? Of course, you still play. Um, I was just mentioning to Danny before you came on that your your recent uh, W with John Montgomery there, you guys won that yeah. tournament. Um, so, of course, we all, even as instructors, we love to play, but do you get more joy out of playing or out of giving a good lesson? I know some players and yeah. teachers and coaches now, like some coaches may not like to play as much or practice or anything, but of course yeah. – Still being young, um, we're really fiery for the game, and, and we love both instruction and playing. I didn't know if you had a, a favorite or if you're pretty well balanced in it. That's a great question, Brandon. Like, you know, I preface this or I preface the answer with like, you know, being a, a PGA pro, PGA of America pro. I've never want to become, and John and I have had this discussion before. I never want to become, or never want to be that professional that will tell people what to do, but I themselves can't do it meaning like to be a good player, you got to hit this shot where I've never hit that shot before, you know? So with that being said, I think now I have a healthy balance of playing with teaching. Um, I still love the game, man. Like, you know, why did I get into this business in the first place? You know, I'd be lying to say like, Oh, I hate it. And I just like teaching. No, Mm -hmm. I love playing. I love competition. I want to feel the butterflies in my stomach playing you know in, in in the section that i'm in with north florida pga the east central chapter 
we got a lot of ballers, man. We got great players, ex PGA Tour players, ex web.com, you know, Corn Ferry. So I got to step my game up too when I'm playing in these tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my experience on the on the Asian Tour, you know, really um, showed me a good work life balance now. So I do love teaching. I have good players, beginners, everything in between. And I love to see when they hit a great golf shot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think as an instructor, I mean, you guys would probably agree with me. Like, when a 10-year-old junior, like, stripes a drive for the first time, it's like, yeah, come on, man. And Or the 12-year-old that's a stud wins his first tournament. Dude, That it's like I won with him, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, never want, I never want to let my game go. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's encouragement for some pros and teaching pros out there. It's like, man, tee it up. Feel the... Feel the butterflies, you know, feel what it feels like to play in a tournament. Because if you're dealing with people playing in tournaments and you've never felt that before, then it doesn't mean anything for you you to say that. So as a pro, I I just couldn't relate to kind of what you just touched on there more. And I never want to be the guy that uh, I feel like there's a lot of pros out there that'll, oh, I never get to play anymore, and, and my game is, you know, I'm not any good anymore. I don't want to be the guy that, that that's my excuse for why I stink. You know, I want yeah. to be able to play still, and I, you know. so You can always so make time means, for it, man. How many, how many times a, yeah. a week do you get to practice? Like, are you are you able to practice more or play more? Like, I find myself, yeah. when we go for on-course instruction, I'm always hitting chips, putts. Right. You know, you got to showcase the drills, and then – you know, after work, I, I don't have uh, a wife or family yet. You know, this is this is my full time job. So, like after work, it's a little content, it's a little practice. How do you kind yeah. of balance work life balance, but also as much as you teach, do you find time to play or practice? And what is that kind of schedule looking like for you? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think just like anything, I was mentioning to Danny just at the end there. You make time for it. You know, it's like people go to the gym, you make time for it. It's like, oh, I'm fat and overweight. Well, make time for it. (laughs) There's no excuses, man. It's no excuses. So I think to answer your question, Brandon, is like, you know, sometimes I'll have a little gap. We'll have two hours. Maybe I'll have an hour for lunch and I'll practice for an hour. Or in between lessons, I'll hit balls um, or chip and putt. You know, I do a lot of playing lessons. So I'm hitting golf shots as well. But it's interesting now, like being older and um, understanding the golf swing more, you know, you kind of, I, I practice less now, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, because I'm in tune with my swing, in tune with my body. You know, I, I work out um, three days a week. Like my buddy's got a sports performance gym and he's got me on a plan, golf specific, mm-hmm. which helps a lot. So like my body, I'm 37 37 years young, which you're like, wow, 37, he doesn't look that, you know, I know. Uh, (laughs) So it's just baby face assassins, baby. That's us. That's right, man. That's right. Um, But no, I I feel better now at my age than I did in college. Mm. And so with that being said, it's kind of like a combination of all those things I mentioned where, you know, I'm in better shape, know my swing, know the swing, know course management now. So, I don't have to practice like four hours a day and grind it out, you know, maybe like a little 30 minute chip and putt sesh or a little wedge session where I kind of feel something in my swing and get that, you know, have that little feel for my tournament in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a combination, but at the end of the time, sorry, at the end of the day, you got to make time for it. And sometimes mm-hmm. you got to force yourself and maybe schedule a little half an hour extra break to get that done. Yep. That's huge though, man, that, that going in, like you said, and that more isn't always better. Like that's, we try and tell our students that sometimes, and we had a case of that today. You know, we worked putting and chipping for like two hours in the hot sun and now we go back and it's, we're on the range and one of our students is hitting perfect shots and he's almost hitting to the point where he's giving himself an issue. Like he's looking for an issue so much because he's hitting so many balls. I'm like, dude, let's just work through the bag a little bit. And then we'll be done for the day. Some days you are allowed to finish in a happy mood and on a good note. Like you don't yeah. have to hit until you lay, a bed, lay in bed at night and ponder our swing. So that's a, that's a huge tip, not only for us teachers, but for yeah. any golfer. You know, it's more is not always better. Sometimes you do need to dig it out of the dirt, like Ben Hogan said. But yep. other times, I think, you know, we have technology on our side. We have uh, an abundance of information 
Right. And that's uh, that's kind of my next little question here is, do you ever kind of get, or did you ever, uh, maybe when you're around our age, with all of this information, do you ever get kind of overwhelmed or start to maybe overanalyze some things just with how much information is out there? Yeah, that's a great question. I love how you say when I was your age, it's so long uh -huh. ago. <laughs> um, how old are you guys, by the way? Brandon, you're 23? 22. 22. And then Dan, 22 as well. 22. Yeah. Man, that's so cool, man. You guys are you guys are awesome. So that was like 15 years ago for me. And mm -hmm. it's it's crazy to think that wasn't that long ago, but mm -hmm. it's long ago in regards to the evolution of golf. You know, because I think about when I was in college or 22, 22 was a senior, my senior year in college. And, you know, launch monitors was a thing, but it was just like becoming a thing and it wasn't accessible to the general public. You know, so, but now you fast forward to today, like everybody's got like a flight scope Mevo or a Rapsodo and they got all these numbers and all this information is just at the palm of your hands, you know, on your cell phone. And that's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I think to you, what you're saying, Brandon, you can overanalyze things where sometimes you just have to feel it, you know? Mm. And I think we have to be careful because, you know, as we get more technological, um, you lose the art of feel, you know, you lose the art of like, as you said, I love that quote, you know, dig, dig, dig it in the dirt or dig it out of the dirt. Like Ben Hogan said, you just got to feel like, so sometimes, you know, with my students to what you're saying, you had that kid who was just beating balls, trying yeah. to find something, you know, I'll tell my students straight up, I'll be like, you're done for the day. But yeah. like, no, no, we didn't figure it out. I'm like, you're fine. You know, it's golf. I've been playing this game, this game long enough to know that you will have a bad practice session, but there's nothing wrong with your swing. I mean, you could be this far off, you know, what is that like less than a centimeter and that's going to mess up your shot, but there's nothing fundamentally wrong with your swing, you know? So I'll tell them, Hey, you're done, go play. Or I'll say, let's just hit some wedges. You know, it's no use in trying to beat, 50 drivers and you know your you know your club face is maybe a degree open or i don't know half a degree close that's good to know but if we're looking at your swing and you know the lines look this great the degrees look great then you're fine you're fine you know so i think you know for the, this generation coming up which has everything at the palm of the hands which is great they they got to be careful though not to lose the art of feel you know so i feel like for me like being in my I guess mid thirties, like I'm, I have one foot in and one, like one foot in the old and one foot in the new, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've yeah. seen the evolution, um, mm -hmm. which has been a great evolution. Don't get me wrong, but we do need to feel, we need to feel that. So. hundred percent. Just yeah, I, the art. Go ahead, Dan. I just, I really like what you said. Um, I couldn't agree more. I feel like you almost have to have one foot in and one foot in another direction. I feel like yeah. um, my game speaking from personal experience, got a lot better because I, I remember when I was younger, like 13, 14, 15, I was almost in that um, analysis or paralysis by analysis phase mm -hmm. where I was overanalyzing, overthinking. So I feel like for me, when I took a step back and went to a more feel-oriented um, side of things, that helped me a ton. So that's one thing I've always tried to help people that I help is, okay, yeah. well, we might not need to be so far into getting things perfect as set up, thinking about this and our takeaway and all and that. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, the big thing for, too, right, is like golf. Golf is not played. You can't win or lose a golf tournament on the range, and I feel like that's yeah. something we forget a lot of times. It's like the art of playing the game, and and this is kind of uh, me just thinking out loud in a way. Like Danny and I've been talking a lot about me doing my TrackMan numbers and trying to get, um, you know, a real good understanding of my totals and my carries and mm -hmm. wind differences and all that stuff. Like when I'm on the course. Of course, that stuff matters. You need to know those numbers. But at the end of the day, it's like you said, it's me feeling that wind and choosing what club feels right and going back to past knowledge, other tournaments, other rounds, yep. um, mm -hmm. and really trying to feel that. Like the art of playing the game is just getting the ball in the hole. One mm -hmm. of Danny's quotes is, you know, there's no diagrams on the scorecard. Like at the end of the day, you just got to get the ball in the hole as efficient as possible. It may not look pretty some days, and I think that's really what, at least I see a lot of these junior players is they rather have a pretty swing than a, a good game. And that's, that's kind of yeah. what I feel like you got to get away from, or at least snap out of sometimes. Cause 
we can get in that overanalyzation and my club's here and here. And well, it doesn't matter if it's here or here. Are, are you hitting your target? Are you keeping it in play? You know, then yeah, that's where the sport game comes in and the mental aspect. That's a, that's another thing. Do you kind of uh, like, do you teach mental game as well? Does that kind of just go hand in hand with your instruction or is there times with some of your more yeah. like elite players that you dive deeper into that side of things? Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily per se like, okay, this is going to be a mental game lesson. Mm-hmm. No, but I think it just kind of, it, it flows out naturally during the course of a lesson or during the course of a playing lesson mm-hmm. where we talk about, you know, pre-shot routine. Okay, what are you visualizing? What's your mental state right now? You know, what are you thinking? How's your heart rate? All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take that from my, my playing experiences. Um, so it's, it, I think it just is kind of a natural outflow but to what you're saying, yeah, I totally, I, I mean, I agree 100% where the art of playing golf, you know, I think back, some of my best rounds have come from crappy practice sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like skanking on the range. I'm like, good Lord, what is that? But I have no expectations and I'm just going to feel it and let's go, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of maybe it's, it's ugly the first couple of holes, but then you get up and down and then something clicks, you know, mm-hmm. so just trying to tell my students that, that it's not going to be perfect every time, but getting in the hole and there is something about, you know, I don't want to say ugly golf. That's, that's not, well, yeah, I would say maybe ugly. I mean, there's no diagram. There's no pictures on a scorecard, man. Get the ball in the hole, yeah. you know? So, you know, I think about, I think about again, to what you're saying, like this up and coming generation where technology and their swings are all pretty, but at the end of the day, man, it's between your ears and the fortitude. So, mm-hmm. you know, do you have the mental toughness? Can mm-hmm. you handle the pressure? Can you hit that shot? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Not about how pretty your swing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where social media is kind of maybe put a hurt on it sometimes. Like whether yeah. it's yep. filming a lesson or a drill for people and worrying about what they're going to say or <clears throat> to your coach or just posting it just – to show like just a post, you know, and then yeah. you have people tear apart your swing and it's like, no wonder these kids need it to look perfect or like <laughs> well, they have these things. And so yeah. who knows, but we always, we didn't always have a range in golf. It blows my mind. I can't remember the year, but I, learning more about when like a golf range actually was created and old pros, you should just bring a couple of balls into the fairway and, and hit and then go get it. And that was like their warm up. They used to warm up not necessarily practice like their practice came from the course and i think uh long story short or you know a whirlwind of thought i think that's kind of where a lot of it has to come back to of course you can't fully fix a swing on the course or it's very hard to so that's where the range is perfect but yeah definitely on course instruction and you said you do a good amount of on course right yeah i do um, yeah. like tomorrow I'll have a, a, a nine hole playing lesson with one of my uh, really good junior players, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I, and even for, for me, when I teach, like if it's an hour lesson with a student mm-hmm. and we have maybe say 20 minutes left and I'll say, Hey, let's go play a hole. Mm-hmm. Let's go play a hole because that's what it's all about out there. You know, you're not playing golf swing, you're playing golf. And um, so I, I try to get my students out there sooner rather than later. You know, I'm not trying to be an instructor that is, okay, you got to get locked in on a 25 lesson package and we're just going to be doing one thing for 10 lessons and one thing for the other 10. No, I want them to get out there because that's what it's all about. You got to play, you know, grow the game too. You know, I know the PGA of America, PGA golf, we're growing the game, you know, so at the end of the day, man, it's, that's what it's all about. Go play some golf, you know? Yeah. That's you. Danny, any, anything else to add on that? Um, I just wanted to mention, and I, I know you've heard this one, Palmer, because I was kind of harping on when we were in Florida, but um, yeah. one of my favorite quotes that what we just spoke about uh, is, is a Mike Adams quote where he talks about, he's talking about junior golfers mainly, and he says one of the biggest problems he sees is, a lot of people go out there thinking they have to hit it perfect to feel worthy to shoot a good score yeah. instead of, you know, just being able to score with what you have and adapt to that. Yeah. yeah. One of the best books I ever read, I remember my dad gave it to me when I was in high school, I think after I played crappy mm-hmm. and it was Dr. Bob Rotella's book, golf is not a game of perfect. Hey, it's you know? on the shelf. So it looks like, it, yeah. 
it's a great book, man. It was just, it's just mm. to what we're talking about. Like you don't have to hit every shot perfect. You don't, you don't, you know, we look at Scotty Scheffler, the last round of the masters, you know, he was hacking it up the first three holes. And I think he still was what even par one under he chipped in on three, you yeah. know, your short game is going to bail you out. It's at the end of the day, it's chipping and putting. That's what it is. You know, yeah. you know, everybody can have a pretty swing, but can you get the ball in the hole chipping and putting? So that's what I stress with, even with, um, you know, beginners, like we'll do a lesson, um, just the fundamentals of the swing, but then when they kind of get the hang of it, then I'll say, okay, now we're going to go from 25 yards, 50 yards. It's almost kind of like the Earl Woods approach with Tiger. We're going to learn backwards. Yeah. Um, kind of like what Operation 36 does now. Like if you can't get the ball in the hole from 25 yards and down in four, yeah. who who thinks you're going to get down in four from 350 yards? Yeah. You crazy? You know? Yeah. So I think that methodology and that method works, you know? Mm. So um it's how i kind of go about it you know with my students so are you uh do you have or do you kind of gravitate towards a philosophy or a method or are you pretty individualistic kind of mm -hmm. whatever the player brings you you can you can shape off that yeah that's a great question um do i have a method um i wouldn't say i have a method i'm not necessarily like one swing fits all i think like mike bender is is like mm -hmm. one swing fits all you know, mm -hmm. hey, to each their own, you know, that's not my thing. <laughs> I think there are some non-negotiable positions in the golf swing, mm -hmm. but how they, they get there, you know, we, we, for example, we look at like Jim Furyk, we mm -hmm. look at people that have funky swings, mm -hmm. but then you look at their impact position, it's like, it's cash money, you know, mm -hmm. like I want that impact position. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, in a roundabout way to answer your question, I don't necessarily have a methodology. I believe the golf swing is an athletic motion. I believe that obviously golf is a sport. You're using your whole body. But if someone is, say, a little bit more overweight compared to someone who's a little bit skinnier and more flexible, okay, I know that they're not going to be able to make a, a certain amount of turn compared to that more athletic person. We can work around that. We can get you in a good impact position. Because at the end of the day, for that person, I want them to enjoy the game. You know, they know, I know then they're not going to be a tour pro, <laughs> you know, but they I want them to enjoy the game. So like, for example, great example, this past Saturday, I had a, a new lady student, very nice lady. She was um, a little bit on the, a little overweight, you know, mm -hmm. um, and she was taking group lessons and she wanted more private instruction. Long story short, you know, we got her hitting the ball up in the air just because her club face was in a very close position. So she was very inside, Close and her wrist was working like this way rather than working up and down. So I just told her, hey, do this, get the club face on the way back, neutral to your spine, and then use your wrist properly. And she was hitting the ball up in the air, you know? Did it look tour pro caliber? Not necessarily, but I mean, she was on plane and she made it work. So I think, you know, that's a great example of I catered to that lady where I have another student, um, David, who's a seven year old. Uh, just stud junior. He wins every tournament. He's a lefty. He is flexible as heck, man. He's got this big shoulder turn, tour quality swing, you know, so I mm -hmm. teach him a little bit different because he's mm -hmm. able to make certain moves that other people can't. So, um, yeah, you know, again, but to each their own golf is such a, a individualistic game and teaching it, you know, there's some, I'm not going to name names, but like some people that teach, I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Seriously? What? Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah. what do I know? I really like how you said that. <laughs> the, the, non, the few non-negotiables of the swing, I couldn't agree more. Like how they get there, it's their own way. You know, it might be homegrown. Yeah. It might be habit. Um, I've found that working with juniors, we try and get them as simply on plane and correct as possible because you have the ability to shape them when they're young. But like you said, when yeah. a guy or a lady comes to you and they've been doing the wrong thing for years and it really is just too tough to change, like you cater to what they're looking for. If they're just looking to go out every now and then and, and play with the ladies or the men, then so be it. You'll make them optimize for those positions. Um, yeah, for I think sure. That's, I think that's crucial, man. That's, and like, well, we, the other thing. Yeah, no, sorry to interrupt. I was going to, I think a great, uh, you know, a great person to look at would be like Dustin Johnson, for example, you know, as his kid, I'm sure he was really bowed, you know, and he's very flexible. 
And, but you look at his impact position and it's like, wow. I mean, his, his, his hips are cleared. He's his guy's spine angle. I mean, he is rotating like heck and that's mm-hmm. awesome, you know? Um, and so I wouldn't change that necessarily if he was hitting the ball like that at such a young age, but it just comes to mind. Like I posted something on Instagram probably about a couple of weeks, uh, sorry, a couple months ago where I talked about the position of the swing at the top, you know? So I put like cupped, bowed and neutral. So cupped, I said, no, bowed, no. I said, yes, this is correct. And man, some of the comments that I got, I got freaking crucified, man. Like, oh, man, man, blah, 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 blah. And like, yo, guys, like this is just a general, I guess, statement, if you will, for where the club should be for the average golfer, yeah. right? Like people were saying, oh, Dustin, so say that to Dustin Johnson, say that to Zach Johnson, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, they can make that, but they are athletes. They are athletes, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> again, to what we were talking yeah. about earlier, everybody's a little bit different. You cater to that person. So yeah, I think that's, uh, that's funny. That's just the hardest part sometimes when, <laughs> and Palmer and I have talked about this, when we want to post something and then you're like, oh, people could say this, people could say that, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, anything somebody posts can be broken down into whatever, like you said. Yeah. So I just think that's really, really cool. And, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. You know, I think like, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a pretty decent swing, right? And like, I post some things and people are like, oh, I'm like, hey, that's your opinion, man. God bless you, yeah. right? <laughs> For sure. That, that's so, all we can do. You whatever. Know? And, and you've been killing it on Instagram. Um, do you work with any other social media platforms or are you mostly just pumped to uh, Instagram? Um, so, yeah, I, I have a TikTok now, which is crazy for me to say that TikTok, you know but uh it's been great uh you know my wife encouraged me to do it and i've actually been getting a lot of great feedback from TikTok. so i'm on TikTok and instagram um rick stewart golf not really on facebook much nowadays more just for personal use which i barely on but uh those are really the two um social media platforms that i use mm-hmm. so not like you guys you guys are you're you guys are all over man going worldwide Love it. We try, we try. But, um, and you do online coaching as well, right? Yeah. So I do mm-hmm. online coaching through Skillist, um, which, you know, it's funny because three, four years ago, pre pandemic, if you would ask me about online lessons, I'll be like, oh, you can't learn online for golf. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get somebody there telling you and putting, putting your hands on and do it. Mm-hmm. But now it's just like, that's the way everybody's learning now, you know, mm-hmm. learning online, learning virtually. You know, I'm learning another language right now virtually with a teacher who's in Sao Paulo, Brazil, you know. So, um, but I think this is the way that, that teaching is going and you can still be interactive. Uh, you can't necessarily physically put your hands on someone and move their body in a certain way. But I think for me, it has made me an even better communicator because I'm not physically there. So I have to describe things that is clear and concise. Um, but yeah, online lessons, man. I have about three students now online. I've given a number of one-off lessons, but I have three subscribers. And it's cool to see that their progress, you mm-hmm. know, in in really a short amount of time. So, mm-hmm. but I think that's well, where awesome. a lot of golf is headed, man. Online, it really digital. Is. Too. That, that is, that's very cool that you said that, that you feel like you've learned to maybe articulate more or just communicate better because yeah. I've found that for myself as well. Like, it's not even necessarily what you say most of the time. It's kind of how you say it and what words we use to describe the, the sensation or the position we're trying to get them in. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's, that's just a huge part of teaching anything, not only golf. So that, that's a big part for me as well, where I feel like the social media and or the online coaching has helped me more as an instructor. So yeah, really cool. I'm excited to see where, where it goes. And I don't think Definitely. it's going to go away regardless of, covid going away or whatever i it's it's here to stay and i think people are really gonna you know utilize it more and yeah awesome. for sure and i think also just in, if you're putting content out there you know for social media um you know like my, my boy john montgomery he's just killing the game mm-hmm. on social media and just the stuff that he puts out there was really encouraging for me and he and i have had many good discussions but it's like keep it simple keep it clear keep it concise you know yeah. And then more one-on-one lessons, you can kind of break things down. So I think the easier that you can put the stuff out there, you know, the better. Because golf, as we know, is 
already hard as it is. <laughs> so, you know, why, why uh, bog someone down when you're talking about like D plane and, you know, I don't know, all this yeah. stuff, you know, your three degrees shut mm -hmm. to the, uh, we know that, we know what that means, but you know, yeah. Joe Blow from uh, Sheboygan, he has no <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, so this next question I have, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to go into a little more detail. And this is just based on, I read um, on your website just about like what uh, you use for swing analysis and what technology you have. Yeah. Um, so just how do you incorporate technology in your lessons? And are there any pieces of technology you would like to use in the future, uh, like a swing catalyst or track man, or I don't know if you've heard about the sports box AI that's out. Yeah. yeah um, good question. So I, uh, what I currently use right now is I use V V one for my swing analysis, um, which is very easy to use. I love, you know, they have all the tour pros there and you can do the side-by-side -side comparison. And then for the numbers, I have a flight scope Mevo. Um, and that really gets the job done. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily teaching any tour pros yet. I've had a couple mini tour players in the, you know, back last year, but uh, the flight scope kind of gets the job done for the players that I have right now. I have a lot of good junior players, um, you know, I have some lower handicap players. Majority of who I teach right now, I'd probably say 60, 60, 70% would be that more mid handicap type player, which I think the, the Flightscope Mevo does, does its job, you know? Um, so Flightscope, if you're listening, good job. Uh, <laughs> maybe sponsorship, I don't know. But uh, oh, yeah. I think in the future, man, again, you know, that price range for like around 500 bucks, that's awesome. You know, I think mm -hmm. I have to, sell a couple kidneys to get a track man, um, <laughs> which hey, in a perfect world, I would love to have a track man. That'd be great. I know again, my boy, John um, has one in celebration, which the golf course has provided, which is great. You know, it's been great for him to have, and you can definitely get more in depth um, with that stuff. So I think in the future, um, I will uh, probably invest in a track man once I become famous. <laughs> yeah, you know, off this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, the royalties off this podcast with y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's see, uh, Danny. Anything else off the top of your head right here? Um, I just uh, I, we got this last one too. We haven't mentioned. What is the biggest lesson you have learned from your experiences in the golf industry? Oh wow! Wow, great question, man. That's a, that's a deep biggest lesson. You say greatest lesson. Biggest lesson. Biggest lesson, greatest either or. Yeah, great question, man. I think I might get teary-eyed talking about <laughs> this. Um, I think just being in golf in general, just the parallels to life, and golf is really the game of life. You know, you're going to have some great holes. You're going to have some bad holes, but it really is a marathon. You know, I, I think, you know, we see a lot of great junior players now, and everybody's kind of a dime a dozen. And um, I think the greatest lesson, I think what I'm trying to say is don't find your identity in golf. You know, you are not what your score says you are. Just because you shot 79 and missed the cut doesn't make you a piece of crap and that you're a terrible person. No. Be true to yourself. You are who you are. Golf is just something that you do, you know, and be the same person if you shoot 61, if you shoot 81. You know, I think that's the biggest lesson, man. I think a lot of people um, find their identity in in the amount of strokes that they take on a golf course. And um, I think my time at the Asian Tour, my time playing professionally, you know, even playing in tournaments um, nowadays in the local uh, North Florida PGA, you know, like I'm more at peace now at 37 than I was at 21. Mm. If I shoot a bad score, it's okay, man. Sun will sun will set. Sun will rise tomorrow. It's a new day. Let's go. So, that's awesome. Very well said, man. I'm gonna I might uh, just cut that and make a little segment of that. And when I when I go play in these these PGA events, I'm about to play in this spring. Just if I have a bad day, I think I'm gonna play that on the ride home. That's awesome, man. Just like yeah, you can go to sleep with rain falling, you know, on your phone. Just mm -hmm. my voice. You're not your score. You are more than that. <laughs> Serenade me. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we don't want to take too much of your time, Danny. I know we have um, 
where are we got a couple of speed questions, right? Do you, do you remember those? Yep. We got our rapid That's fire questions. And then I'm enjoying I this. I think we'll be, awesome. yeah, we're having a blast, man. This has been great. Um, ready for the, so we got three questions here. Good. There are, I don't know if you've ever seen Faraday, but that was kind of where they were inspired from where he does yeah. the, the speed questions. Just so ready, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone that wants to improve their golf game? Play more, practice, play on the golf course more, practice on the range less. Beautiful. What is your craziest golf story? Craziest golf story? Uh, golly. Um, playing golf in, comes to mind, playing golf in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I put this on Instagram and TikTok, but the golf course is called Santa Pazienza. And the golf cart, sorry, the golf cart path was designed through the middle of a lake and a river. So you're driving through a lake and you think that you're going to sink, but that's the way it was designed. It was actually a golf course designed by Tom Fazio. It's oh, crazy. Really? It's awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's wild. Yo. It's, it's awesome. I'm, <laughs> that sounds incredible. I'm going to have to find that on your uh, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite hobby outside of golf? Favorite hobby outside of golf? Um, probably spending time with my beautiful wife and, uh, I like to keep healthy, so I like you know working out. So that's awesome. Believe it or not, I wasn't born this awesome. way. So yeah. <laughs> <I> got... <laughs> awesome. That is, is that that's all our questions, right, Dan? That's what we got. It was an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed having you on, Rick. Yeah, it's likewise, been guys. So the last couple of minutes, we just yeah. or the last little piece here. We just like to see. Uh, any projects you're working on or we already yeah. had it, we'll put it up on screen again, but any social media or projects or anything you'd like to tell the viewers, listeners, or your students out there? Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for asking. So yeah, big project actually I'm working on with my dad. Uh, so I live in Claremont, Florida, and we purchased uh, Sanctuary Ridge Golf Club. And so we did that back in August and the golf course is closed and we are renovating not the golf course right now just because of the climate of the uh, of the um economy so we are redoing the driving range and the food offerings so in fall we'll be opening up the driving range so i'm going to be moving my academy out there um and we renamed the golf course to claremont national claremont. so claremont national so it's pretty cool man we got the um the original architect who designed the golf course back in 1999, his name is Terry Legree. Uh, he will eventually do the golf course, but he's doing the driving range and all the things, um, you know, agricultural, all that stuff. So it's pretty boss. Um, so ClaremontNational.com, you can check out updates on what's happening. Um, but we are looking at our early fall opening. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, yeah. It's like, what a dream, yo. That is awesome. Yeah. So that's I, amazing. Yeah, we're, dude, I'm so stoked, man. Like, it's um, it's been a, a dream come true, you know, for for me, for my family, uh, for my dad as well. Um, so my dad, he, my mom and dad live in California. He's got his own golf course management company. So he's got four golf courses there in the Bay Area. Uh, and then prior to that, he was working, he was a COO for Robert Trent Jones. Um, mm-hmm. So golf has kind of been in my blood and it's been our, you know, kind of dream to, Kind of do this and it's coming to fruition. Um, but yeah, Claremont National, check it out. Your okay. boy gonna be up there. That's awesome. Love to have you guys out there. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be lovely. I it's so, totally caught me off guard when you ask someone what they've got going on all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, I bought a golf course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me let me refresh my it was like my dad <laughs> and a little bit of me, you know, he's a little bit further on in life. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we got some great partners um, teaming up with us, like uh, his best friend. Uh, I call him Uncle John. Uh, he was an executive for Universal uh, Studios for like 25 years. So he's kind of project managing this and he's making, you know, it just it look good. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got uh, great food offerings. Uh, we teamed up with a couple of uh, restaurateurs who have done really well in Central Florida. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be it's going to be good. Um, unfortunately, we can't do the golf course right now, which I'm bummed because the golf course is, it's very hilly. And I mean, you guys are in South Florida, right? So Florida's flat, but mm-hmm. in Claremont, we got the rolling hills. So it's got a lot of beautiful views and whatnot. So that'll eventually come, you know, once the economy kind of stabilizes and yeah. prices don't triple and quadruple. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's other than that, that's what I got going on. Uh, I've got some tournaments coming up. You know, uh, oh, got to plug my boy Barrett Stover at Revolution Sports Performance. He gets the body tight there in in, uh, in Orlando, or actually he's in in Winter Garden. So um, you can follow him on social media, Revolution Sports Performance. So that's my shameless plug. If you're listening, Barrett, amazing. That's incredible, man. I'm, I'm actually looking in. Uh... I'd love to improve my knowledge in, in that aspect. So I might have to follow and reach out to him. Yeah. He's got an online uh, training program too. It's called high T golf workout or high T golf group. So high testosterone golf group. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so uh, he, yeah, he, he's, he's awesome, man. He was a college baseball pitcher and uh, did his uh, bachelor's in kinesiology. Fun, actually fun fact. He was a trainer down in Jupiter and his roommate was Brooks Kepka. So um, he used to train Brooks, and so he's very knowledgeable about the golf swing and movement. So, yeah, he's he's good. What a small world! I feel like so many people are just so connected in like ways you would never know. Like that's just wow. yeah, it's just crazy, it's cool. man. He's like one of my best friends now, and um, you know he goes to the same church that I do. His wife is friends of my wife, so it's like, hey, man, small world. Yeah, so it's so cool. That is awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure, Rick. We don't want to take any more of your time. We're definitely going to have to do this again, especially oh, more, sure. more updates on the course come. We'd love to be uh, kind of in on that, see what's going on and everything you guys are doing with that. So once again, definitely. thank you so much for your time, the insight. I know we got a lot out of it. I know our viewers will too. So we really appreciate it, brother. Hey, thanks, guys. I feel like yeah. we're connected, man. Just the first time we met, we're like. I know. My brothers. Good, vibe, good vibes all around, man. It really is. I want to end on this. Um, just popped into my head with the, yeah. I, I've really enjoyed as we started to have guests on. Uh, it's been super cool, and I really enjoy being able to walk away from each guest having learned something, and then it's really cool to feel kind of inspired and you know reinvigorated in what we're doing and what we're kind of striving to do. So it's really cool to talk to someone like you, where um, we can continue to kind of chase what, what we're after and what we love. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to the wall, man. I'm, I'm fired <laughs> up. Here you go, work out or something. <laughs> yeah, man. If Tom Brady can do it, I can. So let's go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Contraband got that dope. Sometimes I don't feel all right.